Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on looking for love in all the wrong places. I love this instrument. I love this instrument that we call the guitar. I love its layout, its features, its accessories, its amps. I love the tones. But sometimes the guitar and the gear doesn't love me. Have you ever had a regretful guitar purchase? Have you ever had rebound gear? Maybe you're tone confused. Possibly you purchased the wrong guitar simply because it was a good deal. Maybe you are heartbroken over the gear that got away. Or you've been in an abusive relationship called tone chasing. If this sounds like you, we will discuss this and more on this Valentine special with Barber on the Tweed Couch. Wow, it is great to have you back, Barber. You know, it's amazing to talk about gear, and it's another thing to be able to talk about stupid gear purchases. And ultimately, we are going to talk about finding love in all the wrong places, because after all, it is Valentine's Day. So it is wonderful to have you here. Thank you for being here again, Barber. Thanks for having me. And I mean, I, I can't tell if it's a good or a bad thing that you want me for the looking for love in all the wrong musical gear places. <laughs> but you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. So with that said, my Southpaw friend, what is your ideal electric guitar setup? For the longest time, I was a, a Vox guy with... Uh, a good amount of pedals, maybe two, three overdrives, maybe one distortion, love me some delays yep. into either a Stratocaster or um, some sort of humbucker, Les Paul-like mm-hmm. guitar. That's been uh, maybe 10 years of my playing, but in the past like three years, two years I guess now, uh, there's been a bit of a love triangle developing in my heart. Uh, really? I Yeah, well... Dun, I, dun, dun! <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Scary. Uh, two years ago, I purchased uh, a Kemper. Oh. For those of you not familiar with the Kemper, it's a um, a profiling amp. Um, yeah. You can actually mic up a... I mean, you've, have you talked about it on the on the pod before? Well, we had a time where we talked about all the different types of like modelers and yeah, profilers. I, and I remember kind of that thing. one. But at the same time, we never really talked about how it worked. So yeah, go ahead. Embellish. Tell everybody about it. You get your amp the way you like it. You mic it up with a microphone that you like. You get your settings, you know, your EQ dialed in on the amp. And then you plug it into this box, this Kemper. And it sends these like bells and whistles and warbly noises. Um, And what it does is it recreates the sound and it sort of saves it. It it takes like a copy and paste almost um, of your sound. And then you can reproduce it so you can go direct instead of having to use an amp. And... Uh, the difference of sort of the the Hel- even the helixes or its predecessors, this has sounds pretty legit and real to me. I've been able to get yeah. good sound, and I've been able to definitely, I've been able to use it just by itself with its built-in effects, and I've didn't miss anything. That's like yeah. the first. So well, and actually to to that point, I would like to yes. mention that. I've owned every iteration of it. In the passive <laughs> side of things, I had the toaster, 
I had the rack, I had the stage. And the only reason why I got rid of it was for me to be all in on the Kemper. I needed it to be all in. I didn't want pedals. I didn't want anything outside of the Kemper itself. And what I remember is anytime I tried to do any kind of profiles or figure out how I'm going to use this thing and make it sound good so that I could have my Marshall in this thing, I never could make it awesome. But Mm. the third party options were amazing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I get where you're at on this. Yep. And I, I'll be, I only ever did the profiling once. Everything else was third party in it. The Kemper community is really cool. It's amazing. All this to say is that I'm kind of torn. There is a part of me that loves having the amp turned up with my pedals. And, yep. and the, the act of putting together a pedal board to suit the thing that I'm going to do live is so cathartic and amazing. And, yeah. and it's my, it is a love that I have. But yeah. then this Kemper thing, I, it kind of, it's different, and it, but it's also the nice thing about, you know, and we, we play all different types and sizes of venues, and there's times when I go into a place and, you know, it's the size of my, my garage. So anyway, all yeah. this to say is, when you ask me about my ideal setup, I'm torn right now, because I think my ideal setup at the end of the day would be the amp with the pedals into some nice delays and maybe uh, some other you know modulation effects into a guitar so i'm i'm torn when you ask me my ideal setup i struggle to give you uh, one or the other and like i said it's a bit of a love triangle honestly it is a double-edged sword saying what yeah. is your ideal electric guitar setup and immediately you go to well but but what scenario are we talking about? You know? Yes. And, yes. And at some point you go, well, I just got to dump or get off the pot. Which one am I going to do? I don't know. Which yeah. one am I going to get on a kneel and propose to? I, what's going to happen? Well, mm. I get where you're at because for me, with the gear that I currently have, if I had to pick a guitar, I have an SG Supra. So it's a Gibson Mm. SG Supra. They only made them for a couple of years. And I love the neck shape of it. I love that it has 57 classic humbucker pickups in it. Like they sound very vintage-y. They sound real good. It has a piezo in it. So I can do some acoustic Mm. sounds, which right now I kind of need to be able to do both. And so I like having that. And it's a Gibson. So it's got that vintage sound it has a les paul Mm. style sound it has a so you're it's you're saying it's versatile it's versatile and and yeah and i really like that and so because of all that i go yeah i love it that's what i like Mm. but if i could pick something and say you know what i've got Mm. to choose one and what's my supermodel my ideal Mm -hmm. then i'm probably going to prs and I'm having them yeah. make me something. And I will probably have them make me some sort of a PRS single cut because I like single cuts. Mm-hmm. And it'll probably be something like a P245. So it's got a piezo mm-hmm. and it's the 245, the, you know, the 24 and a half inch scale style. Yeah. So essentially it's a Les Paul, but mm-hmm. it also has the piezo, but I mm-hmm. would add a tremolo. And that's something that they don't offer yet. They don't offer mm. a single cut P245 
PRS with the piezo and the tremolo. And it's a good thing because my wife would yeah. be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, and off your point with the guitars that I have to my availability right now, it would be my my Firebird. What year is it? It's a 2000, actually, I think 2018. So it's a relatively okay. new yeah. one. Uh, then they have mini humbuckers, which I have mm-hmm. just recently just fell in love with that. That's a new, maybe within the last year. Um, I would love to put a tremolo on it. Uh, yep. That's something that will probably happen in the future. Uh, but my real ideal setup would be something a la, like a 335 with some sort of vintage pickups. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. which that would be something that I'd have to see what it comes with, but then also maybe I'm not afraid to mess around with that a little bit. And then also it has to have the tremolo and something a little bit older, maybe in even the, even in the eighties, I think they made some good stuff in the eighties too. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, there is that, there's the difference between what's my ideal setup that I can do and what the ideal setup of what, uh, like you said, the missus would not be happy with if, uh, right. Mm-hmm. If you did, yeah. So that brings me to the amp because the thing is, is that up until about three weeks ago, I used a Strymon Iridium mm. at church, you know, and mostly I'm playing at church right now because of the pandemic. Same, yeah. And I decided to sell it off, which actually I made a little bit of money off of, which was awesome. Nice. And I bought an HX Stomp because mm. Jason had been talking all about it. And I went, you know what? I'm just going to give it a chance and we'll see. And it's actually been great. I've heard some of the live streams that our, our church has done, and it mm. sounded really good. I don't have a problem with it. But if we're talking about ideal setup, I love a Morgan AC20. Mm. It's small, but it sounds big, and it sounds so good. And I personally do not own one, but I'm pretty sure that's what I would want. And so if I get my private stock prs and i get my morgan ac20 hopefully it's a good marriage and i would totally go for that now with that said then there's pedals and it's interesting most people will probably want to crucify me for this but i like the hx effects i have one and i like to use it live there's something about not having to worry about my cable doesn't work or Mm oh, I need this sound, and I didn't know I needed this sound. Because keep in mind, I don't just play with a band. I play with lots of bands. If I can't do it with six blocks of effects on my HX effects, then I can't do it. Oh, 100%. Not saying that I don't love an actual Timmy. Not saying that I don't love an actual Proco Rat or Tube Screamer Mm. or even tied whatever what i'm saying is this will do for me yeah so this probably brings up the next question which is have you ever purchased something that you thought you would love but didn't yes 100 percent. so two things come to mind i think the bigger one is i about maybe a year ago purchased a airline map baritone guitar a baritone i'm a bass player as much as i am a guitar player so the Mm -hmm. the lower frequencies is something that really speaks to me yeah so i was like super excited found a found a great deal on on reverb 
and it's a cool looking guitar. It's seafoam green. Uh, and oh, that is cool. It's, a, it's just a very vintage. I don't know if you've have you ever seen the map guitars. I just looked it up. I see it right now. That is one cool looking beast. I love the right. fact that it has the block inlays, much like a Les Paul Custom. I yep. love the Dan Electro feel it has, which is probably more 100%. silver tone type yeah. of a thing. But man, very nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was something I was super excited about. I might have been more excited just about how cool it looked. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was just a different thing that I could do. Uh, just a different taste, just to get a lower frequency. And I got it, brought it home, plugged it into my amp. And I was like, this is amazing. This is so cool. Look at just yeah. this low. So it's it's tuned to B. So if you ring out an E chord, it's a it's a B. Okay. Uh, so it sounded so great, so much fun to play by myself. And then I take it to church because mm-hmm. uh, I was playing at church that weekend, and I literally the song starts and I ring out one chord and I go, oh my goodness, this is terrible. This is just doesn't sound good. Oh, it's totally no. lost in the mix. Yeah. I hate it when that happens. I realized there's this studio session guitar player from Nashville that I can't remember his name. It's trying to drive me crazy that he was kind of doing like a rig rundown on Premiere Guitar. And he said, you can never roll off enough low end in a guitar. Yeah. I had been like fighting this baritone, wanting to play it, enjoying playing it by myself. When I play it in a live setting, I literally one chord and I'm like, nope, this is terrible. This doesn't sound good. And it realized it's because it was fighting too much with the piano who was playing a lot of... Uh, lower mids. Exactly, yeah. Yep. So I tried it in a in a non-worship setting once, and it was a trio. Yeah. Um, and again, I was fighting the bass the whole yeah. time. So And the toms. Uh, it killed me. And yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. So I loved the way it looked. I loved the idea of it. I even went so much as to, I emailed Eastwood, if I buy one of your regular scale necks and put it on this guitar, because it's just screwed on the back, would this be a regular guitar? And they said, no, the bridge is further back. It wouldn't work. I would have done anything to keep that guitar, but I knew it was just going to collect dust. And I ended up making a little bit of money on it when I sold it. Good. Uh, I mean, like... 30 bucks at the end of the day but still yeah that was something i was so excited about and it just it just did not work so definitely something that i thought i would love it but i didn't and then the second one ironically from airline again oh my uh, gosh you your snake bit yeah yeah but i I think this was I, i i had mentioned this the last podcast we did that i think I constantly try to fill the mm-hmm. ES-335 hole in my heart with yep. other guitars. And I bought it. Um, I bought It's called an Airline H77. Okay. Uh, it has three pickups on it. I think they're single coil with three off-on switches. Is it the H70? Uh, oh, there it is. Yeah, I see it now. It, yep. 77. They make a 78 that has, yep. but the only difference is it just has a tremolo on it. Okay. Uh, I had it. I, I, I did a lot of... I, it was one of those things I had to buy online without playing it first. Right. As, a, as a lefty, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. I played it, and it sounds okay, but yep. it's it's not the guitar. I don't think I've played it live in probably six months. So you still own this? Yeah, it's somewhere here, yeah. And, and I like it, and I play it occasionally. And I, what I don't like about it is it has the three separate selector yes. switches. 
And I thought that that was going to be cool because I was like, how cool would it be to have the ability to put the front pickup and the back pickup on? And Mm -hmm. functionally, none of the three pickups sound good together. Oh. So if I I put on the front pickup, the the neck pickup, that sounds Mm -hmm. good. If I turn that off and then put the bridge pickup on, that also sounds good. Okay. But I have to functionally flick a switch and then flick another switch. It was just... It's too much work. It's it is a work. lot. For those that have never seen this, and actually, you should look it up. On eastwoodguitars.com, they actually have the whole line of them, and I'm looking at it right now. The cool thing about this H77 is down at the lower bout. So imagine a 335 Gibson, but at the lower horn, you see three switches but back where you find all the volume controls and tone controls, you see three volumes and three tones. So everything can be dialed in as much as you yeah. would like. It looks really cool. I even like the way that the F-holes are done. Like the F-holes mm-hmm. are very uh, elegantly done, very like New York stately type of mm-hmm. F-holes, not like the usual like Gibson, Nashville, Michigan yeah. you know, style. And it looks really cool. Now, it also looks pretty industrial at the same time mm-hmm. because of all the switches and all the knobs. I can see how that can be an issue. But couldn't you yeah. like like roll down the middle pickup, always leave it on, and then like flick some switches? And I have done a little bit of experimenting with that. And again, it's still... There's just too much motion. I just, I, and also, I think I've learned to the point where I really like having, like on, on a Les Paul, I have the, the switch closer up top. Right. Where they're at, where the switches are at are also just a little cumbersome too. So you thought you would love it, but you didn't necessarily love it. Yeah. Exactly. I get yeah. it. Well, I've had a few of those. So as I mentioned, oh, I'm sure. I have this Marshall 2204 mm-hmm. that I absolutely love. I love it with greenback speakers. I love how loud it is. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's too loud for church. And so because of this, I went on a quest for martial tone in something that was only like 5 watts, <laughs> 15 watts at the most. I ended up running around in a circle, like chasing my tail yeah. is what I ended up doing. I tried the Blues Junior. And although some people will say the Blues Junior rocks. Yeah, I have a Blues Junior. Oh, yeah. A lot of people mm-hmm. really like them. But keep in mind, I'm trying to replace a Marshall 50-watt head and a 412 cap. Mm. So the deal is, yeah. is that I actually owned three of these. I had the Tweed one with the NOS Jensen speaker in it. I had the original, like normal style black one with the with the gray cloth. And I also had a modded version with the Eminence Patriot in it. Three different ones and the same problem happened with each one of them. Although they all sounded different and they all sounded good... Unfortunately, they all sounded really boxy. And because of how boxy they were, I sold them all. Hmm. As I was selling that one off, I found the Hughes and Kittner Tubemeister 18. So the cool thing about the Tubemeister 18 is that it has an ability to plug into the back with an XLR. 
So now I can keep the stage volume low, but I still get this direct sound out and all that kind of stuff. And that was not what I wanted. It, mm. it has no Marshall sound. It has no Fender sound. It has no Vox sound. It sounds like a Hughes and Kittner. Who would have yeah. thought? You buy something that has a different label. To, <laughs> and it sounds like that thing. And it sounds like that label. Who would have thought? So I'm not saying that it was bad. It, actually, it was really good. Mm-hmm. But it was not the sound in my head. So that led me down to the Vox AC4. Do you remember wow. that amp? I do indeed. You know what? It's a cool little amp, but it doesn't matter how loud you turn that. It does not sound big ever. Mm-mm. It Mm-mm. sounds good, but it never sounds big. It's not like yeah. a, a Fender Champ. Like a Fender Champ is only five watts. You crank that thing up. And it can mm. sound big on a recording. Yeah. Well, how big does the AC4, how big is that speaker? Do you remember? Well, the crazy thing is, is this is a 12-inch speaker. So mm. you might think, good Lord, that must be great. And it sounded good, but it didn't sound big. Even if you crank mm. that thing up, it did not sound big. Which led me down another track that I never would have gone through. But I got a good deal. And yeah. I bought... The Crate Palomino V8, which is a five watt amplifier. I don't know why they called it the V8, probably because it looked really cool on the grill, but it was five watts and it didn't sound great. And actually, I ended up getting the V16 as well, made by Crate. And that one also was absolutely terrible. A matter of fact, I actually traded that one off. A guy on Craigslist Mm. said, I would like to have your amp, and I will give you an iPad mini. And I went, you know what? I can do that. That's not a problem. And so I meet the guy at a gas station, and he shows up, and he's like, all right, so here is my iPad mini. There's your amp. All right, I'm going to go ahead and go. And I went, hold on. Isn't this supposed to come with a charger, a charging cable? And he went, oh, I forgot it at home. And I went, you know what? a new charging cable is going to cost like 10 bucks. So you know what? That's fine. Everything looks good. It seems to be powering on. Sounds good. He put that amp in his car and he was gone. What I didn't learn until later was that iPad didn't take charge anymore. Oh no. And you know what? I was still okay with a broken iPad over that. (laughs) Yeah. That amp was terrible. That says a lot. Yeah. I ultimately went, you got screwed on the deal, not me. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) that's just the way I felt. So ultimately, those are all wonderful purchases. I made them. I'm happy I made them. I didn't lose any money on all of them, even considering the one that was like, I got a broken iPad versus this this amplifier. <laughs> he doesn't know. I got that thing for 50 bucks. I sold that mm-hmm. iPad off for 80. So you know what? Forget you, man. But here's the deal is that all of that still didn't replace it. And I thought mm-hmm. I would love it. And I didn't. It was a terrible idea. Yeah. But so here's my question. So you you keep talking about how you're trying to compare it to your Marshall. Yeah. If you would have got those things and said, this isn't to replace anything. This is just in addition to. Do you think that your outlook on it would have might been a little bit different or were they just not good? Like, were you trying to compare something to something that was like apples and oranges, but you were forcing it anyway? Now, that's an excellent question. And I would say that. Ultimately, the point behind any gear that I purchase is really in result 
to filling a void. And so the blues junior was to fill the void of, I need something quieter that sounds amazing. The Vox AC4 was, I need to fill the void of something quieter, but still sounds Mm -hmm. amazing. And ultimately I ended up chasing my tail until the Kemper. And I got that Kemper and I swear it was everything that I needed to give me that quieter sound, but still give me that feel of the Marshall. And that Kemper really did a great job. So I understand that that is a love triangle for you. But when I Mm -hmm. bought that thing, I went, that's it. Why did I get rid of it? Because ultimately I went, but I need less crap to bring into church every single morning. Because mm-hmm. we weren't allowed to leave it set up. And in all honesty, I don't know that I wanted to leave it set up because sometimes things walk away from a church. If I remember, you've kind of, you've gone through a lot of iterations of that and what the Kemper yep. essentially is that sort of, it could be a whole other couch session of, of just trying to the filling of a void or trying to, or, you know, that's, you're right. It's tough. And, and I think, and for me, like when I talk about like my love triangle thing, like, I could be completely happy with both. I just don't want to choose one. Like, right. and I don't, and I also think that functionally just how my musical life is set up, I can't choose just one. It because, is true. Or not that I, I could choose the Kemper and be pretty happy, but right. I would still miss the, the gear head of it all. Right. You know, there are only so many different things you can keep in the stable mm-hmm. and then say, this is my workhorse. This is my racehorse. This is my whatever. And so it makes sense. It makes total sense. So Mm. I guess if we're really going to talk about some random things, we should probably ask the question of what is the silliest guitar related purchase that you've made simply because it was a good deal? (laughs) So the first one that comes to mind is I, this was 10 years ago now. This was while I was touring, probably shortly after I met you. So I don't think you ever saw that I own this. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad. Is I bought a flanger pedal once because it was like thirty bucks. It was a Boss flanger, and I was like, "Yeah, this will take my, you know, my my sonic versatility to the next level." <laughs> and I, I kept that thing on that my board a lot longer than I'd like to admit. But that that <laughs> Boss purple flanger, the oh yeah, one of the older models from like it was like the late. 90s early 2000s i think okay and i just thought that it was i just thought it was something different and i was like i'm gonna get and again i i only bought it because it was it was like 40 it was 40 dollars um and normally they're close to like 100 so i was like yeah this is great and like i said because of the price and because it was different i kept that thing on my board for yeah a good six months so i'm not proud of it but i did I'm not proud of it, but <laughs> yeah, but I did. What about what about you? Okay, so I have two. One of okay. which was absolutely stupid, absolutely stupid. The other one actually has worked out pretty good. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you the stupid one first because I want everybody to remember the good one. So the stupid one was this. This is way back in like early 2000s, like 2002. You know, somewhere in mm-hmm. there, and. I went into Guitar Center and that's back when they still had like this Memorial Day sale that was actually good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had this list and you stood in a line waiting to get in so that you could be the person to buy like a custom shop Les Paul for $300 or something, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
and they had a guitar sit on the rack. It was like 350 bucks. And I walked in and I went, that's a good deal. I want it. And it was a Parker P38. Do you know what the Parker guitars are? Yes, I do know this guitar. <laughs> yes. That is... That, I feel like that top would just snap off. <laughs> so th- um, mine was Sunburst. Okay. All right. Oh. So a little prettier. Why? Because it had two tones to it. (laughs) (laughs) Did it have that ridiculous headstock? It did have the ridiculous headstock. So for those that don't understand what a Parker P38 was, it was basically an SSH guitar. Okay. So you had the single, single hum. And then it also had a perloid pickguard and this vintage sunburst finish to it and everything so right now everybody's going man what a great idea that is an (laughs) awesome stratocaster you are going to love this it's going to be awesome now let me tell you about the rest there is no soft angle on anything it is hard angle everything the upper horn looks like a teletubby i don't know it's like a (laughs) Quick that is a mark. very apt way to describe it. <laughs> it's terrible. And, you know, the, the the lower bout is actually pretty good. The horn is a little too spiky. And keep in mind, mm. I enjoy an explorer. And this is too spiky for me. Then you get to probably the worst part about it, which is yeah. the headstock. <laughs> the headstock... Okay, I don't even know how to say it. Um, what is it? It's not even a hockey stick. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's like a vacuum handle. <laughs> it is. If you were to have no strings on this guitar, and you were instead to vacuum with it, grab the headstock and use the bottom butt of the guitar to vacuum your floor that is what the headstock shape was and i mean the strings went over it and the strings were visible and everything they're like hanging over so you could like oh yeah yeah. it's it's oh man oh and the strap peg is in a weird place it's all over the place yeah. I know, I know. You know what? It was a rebound guitar or something. I don't know. It was, like, <laughs> it was like, good lord. It's like I had something pretty and then I went, I don't know. I just I just need to feel loved. And so you, you I just, bought a you P38. Just the guitar that, that makes you feel pretty again. I yes, that's right. I, I wanted to be wow. the pretty one in the relationship again. I don't know. So ultimately I bought this thing. It sounded okay. It really did. It sounded okay. It played okay. The nice Parkers, like the Parker Nightfly and all those, Mm -hmm. they sound great. They play great. They have awesomeness to them. Unfortunately, that's not what I bought. I bought their cheap Mm -hmm. rendition. And, oh, man, it was rough. Someone bought that from you. Someone bought this from me. And you know what's crazy? And, you know, I'm about to throw somebody under the bus here. But Jason and I went to this together. Back in the early 2000s, and he bought oh, one too. That's hilarious. Yes. You know what the difference is? I kept mine. Mm. He returned his the next day. 
I mean, I don't blame him. You know, sometimes you meet an ugly girl at the bar and you just go, man, what was I thinking? And you're okay. And then there's me. You met the ugly girl at the bar and you tried to turn it into a year long relationship. You know, it's now just here's, <laughs> here's my question about the guitar. So if you were to close your eyes mm-hmm. and you hold it, you play it. Yep. How did it feel? Did it like was was the neck OK? Like, OK, the neck was crazy thin. The body yeah. felt great, but the neck was so thin that the only way I can really put it is imagine holding a yardstick like mm. an actual meter stick yeah is that thin it was crazy thin and so when i would play it it felt uncomfortable not because Mm. the neck was too wide it was because there wasn't enough back into it Mm. there wasn't enough junk in the trunk right yeah and so we all need that we do we do we need some cushion for the pushing of your hand. I've been pretty lucky that I've never, it's never been a questionable guitar because like, I, like I said in the, the lefties podcast, I have to do like a lot of research. I, I rarely am going to buy a guitar that I'm not sold on, but fair enough. I'm a huge effects guy. Like I love effects. I love delay. I love reverb. I love that. Like the edge from you two of it all. Oh yeah. Will. And so my, my second questionable, uh, purchase that was it was a deal it was like a black friday deal it was yeah. uh i don't know if you've ever heard of the tone wood guitar amp yeah i have uh so you stick it on the back so it's it's for your acoustic guitar yep. um and you put this little like x brace inside your guitar that has magnets and you mount this like rectangle maybe like six seven inches long on the back of your guitar and what it does is it makes effects and it makes the effects like delay and reverb come out okay. of the sound hole, so it's like an acoustic guitar oh, yeah. effect thing. And that's a mo- that's that's actually pretty awesome. It really is. I thought so too, but uh, and again, I only bought it because there was a deal. I don't think I would have spent. I think there were maybe like three hundred dollars. I did not pay that much money for it, yeah. and I never could get it to play great. Well, I yeah. could never. So uh, part of it is the guitar that I was using. I had it on my tailor and the tailors have like a slightly rounded back. It's not flush. Mm -hmm. And so it was really hard to get. There's like, there's like a little hole on the back of it that presses up against your guitar. And that's the thing that sends the frequencies, uh, the, the different delay. And I just, it never sounded right. But then also, like, they expect you to just leave this metal brace thing inside your guitar. Like, you're supposed to just leave it there. And I'm like, no, that's weird. I don't want to, because it was yeah. an acoustic electric guitar, I don't want to mess with it. So, it, it was something I was really hopeful for, and it was it was a good deal. But I, I, I still own it. I don't think I resold it, but it's just, it's ridiculous. It, <laughs> it might be one of those well. things that you're going to obviously, you know, look and see what it's worth and then go, okay, it's time. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. Well, and then, or like if I ever if I ever find like a junker acoustic, just like straight up acoustic guitar, maybe yeah. I'll try it out again. Yeah. Now I need to talk about the thing that I go. This is silly, but I'm so glad I bought it. Okay. So when I started making the podcast, 
I decided I needed studio monitors. And the reason Mm. why was because of editing, but it was also because I couldn't trust just was coming through the headphones. Mm. I need to hear it in a couple of different areas. And so I bought the Gibson Les Paul studio monitors. That's awesome. That's fun. I know it is super cool. And you know, these are like twelve, thirteen hundred dollars monitors. They're crazy expensive. Well, they were blowing them out for a hundred dollars a piece, and I bought the pair that matches my Les Paul. <laughs> That's cool. So those are my studio monitors, and they're just the four inch ones. They made four inch, six inch, and eight inch. Mm-hmm. And the room that I'm doing my mixing in. Eight inch would be far too much. Six yeah. inch would probably be okay. Four inch is plenty. And so mm-hmm. that's what I ended up doing. And I tell you what, they are awesome. I look at them. They're awesome. Anybody who has ever seen the guitar studio that I'm in, they look at it and they go, dang, nice studio monitors. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I cool. know. So it's silly. It's ridiculous. And I freaking love it. It goes up there with my Marshall mini fridge. <laughs> Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Uh, Notice I didn't awesome. call that a silly purchase. I think that was awesome. It's, so. it's just a good purchase. Yeah. No, it's I get just, that. That's fair. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Let's hear from another sponsor. Are you looking for a party with a purpose? If you love music, if you love family-friendly, if you love camping, then you should look into LifeFest. LifeFest is one of the largest Christian music festivals in America and draws attendees from across the United States to worship together, deepen their faith, and strengthen relationships with family and friends. This three-day event features dozens of artists, engaging seminars, and much more. This year, in 2021, we have two festivals. Come join a party with a purpose in Oshkosh, Wisconsin on July 8th through 11th, or on the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bon Agua, Tennessee on July 29th through 31st. I'll see you there. So that probably brings us to the next question, which is... Have you ever had a piece of gear that you think of as the one that got away? Oh, 100%. It's still to this day. It, so it's actually something I had that I sold away. And I to this day, I kick myself. It was uh, a Martin Aura DC GT, which is... Uh, you so actually it's, uh, talked about this last time, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's something like it haunts me. Like I was at work today looking online to see if I could find a used one at something you should look it up because it's a beautiful guitar. Actually, uh, I have looked it up after we talked yeah. about no love for lefties. I've been yeah. on the look for this guitar nice. in hopes that I'll find it and then go, okay, I can trade something for it and then we'll make a deal and we'll get you what you want. And hopefully oh, I can get a good cool. price out of it. And you can too, you know, that would be cool. But anyway, so the reason, so it was such a unique guitar. It was something that 
I had never seen anything like it. The inlays by itself I thought were really cool. And the fact that it just sounded so good. It sounded so full. The low end was perfect. Well, the pickup inside it actually sounds really good too. Yep, yep. And I have, so yeah. that's a, it's a Martin Aura Plus, I think. Is the, the Aura, is it the Aura 1 Plus or the Aura F1 Plus or something like that? F, F1 Plus. And yeah, so I it. actually have... I have another Martin that has it on there. So at a time, I had two guitars that sounded very similar, partially because of the the pickup. And back when I was, I was at this point, I was leading worship full time. So I always like to have two guitars with me, just in case a string broke or you know drop D or different tuning and stuff. And the only reason I got rid of it was I was kind of falling out of love with the dreadnought shape, and I wished I had kind of gotten the Grand Auditorium. So I sold it thinking I maybe in like two, three months because I wasn't playing as much as I used to. I'll get it. And I have not been able to find one since. So, yeah, yeah, that's definitely the one that it got away in the sense that I was so happy with it. It felt so good. It was like the first guitar more than $1,500 thing that I bought that I didn't trade or it was something that I bought new because I wanted a perfect guitar. And yeah, to this day, it is the thing that it haunts me. And I talk about it all the time to my friends and they're kind of roll their eyes at this point. But it is it is the one that got away without a doubt. So have you had any other like wish you would have kept the guitar or or the love that got away? I definitely gear wise guitars. I've been a bit of a guitar hoarder. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to admit That's it. Fair. But some, I'm trying to think of some some gear. I definitely have sold and then repurchased an Eventide H9 like maybe three or four times. Uh, <laughs> probably. Yeah, that th- sounds th- like an abusive relationship. Yeah. That doesn't sound uh, like... Three t- there was a time I had two of them. I owned two and <laughs> I sold both of them and repurchased it. I purchased a new one. I, there's a good possibility I have repurchased one I've already owned. But anyway, but yeah, no, I've definitely... I like that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I use it primarily for your delay sounds. Like I, I like to have good delay. Delay is like a really important mm-hmm. sound for me sonically. Um, but there was just so much extra stuff in it that like, yeah. I don't think I'd ever used and made any of the adjustments on the pedal itself. I would always use the iPad app and I'm like, yeah. I would always, there'd always be a point where I'd be like, I have to use an iPad app to, for this pedal. This is ridiculous. Yeah. And then I sell it and then I go, nope, I shouldn't, shouldn't have done that. Um, yeah. And yeah. So I, that's I think you have three now, but I have one currently, and I've convinced myself that that is a that is off limits to sell because yeah. I, I will I will find use for that. Honestly, eventually you have to find yourself in a monogamous relationship, and um, when you find that monogamous relationship, you have to stick with it. That's just the way it is. And so for delay. That is, that's the H9 for you. My, so actually my monogamous relationship delay is actually the JHS Panther. That's an analog oh. delay. I've had, I bought the first Panther, um, which was that really big, like seven inch pedal. I don't know if you've seen, uh, I don't the, remember all, it. The, it was massive. It was huge. And then there's the Panther Cub, which is it's basically the same thing, but just in a smaller case. And they even come out with a smaller one that I've been looking at too. So that's my monogamous relationship delay pedal, but it's an analog delay. And that is the most thick, lush delay I have ever played and will ever play. And uh, I love that thing. When I look at the ones that got away, 
I have one that haunts me every once in a while, and Lloyd is going to be sad to hear this because he had a 1971 Fender Vibralux, and it did not have the original speakers. It had uh, Celestian Vintage 10 greenback speakers in it. Oh, cool. So it was not the usual Vibralux, and I borrowed it to use on my first full-length studio album mm-hmm. and i used it for almost all the cleans except for some of the marshall the marshall used a few cleans yeah. in there as well and he sold that thing off he had it for a long time he loved it he thought it was great and then i said one day hey where's the Vibrolux? and he said oh i sold it off and hmm. i went you didn't tell me because had I known, I might have bought that thing off of him. He sold hmm. it for a grand, which nowadays, you know, maybe they're 1200 bucks because yeah, it's modded because yeah. it has different. But still, it sounded awesome. Mm. And so I kind of consider that one as one that got away. It wasn't even your amp is what you're saying. It was someone else's. No, it wasn't mine, but I yeah. wanted it so bad. Yeah. Now, with that said, I also have... One other that is the one that got away. And this one actually makes me really mad. Hmm. And it was at Guitar Center. And I played one and I went, dang, that sounds good. I really like that. But I need to make sure that my wife is okay with me spending $300 on an amplifier. Hmm. We were pretty newly married you know maybe two years married Mm. and i we still hadn't come up with the understanding of gear purchasing yeah and at that time you know yes we had cell phones but she was working and she couldn't answer the cell phone so i went i'm gonna put this on hold and i gave it to the guy and i said put this on hold and he went okay he put it on hold and i said i will be back tomorrow to purchase if I'm going to purchase it. Otherwise I'll give you a call. And he said, okay, well I go home. I wait for my wife to get off of work. She got off of work. She came home and I said, Hey, I found a 1965 basement head for $300. I would like to purchase it. And she said, yeah, I mean, if we've got the money, then go ahead and do it. Mm. And I went excellent. And I called him up and I said, Hey, Dave, a wonderful guy named Dave Bartholomew. He's an awesome like seller. He's a good guy. Mm. And I said, Hey Dave, that fender basement head, I'm going to come get it tomorrow. And he said, great. Next morning he gives me a call and he says, I can't find the basement head. I was oh, like, what do you mean no. you can't find it? And he was like, well, I had it sitting in front of my office with a post-it note that had your name on it but I didn't have it inside my office. And I think somebody just took the post-it note off of it and sold it. Oh no. So that Fender basement head that I could have gotten for $300 all original. That sounded great. (sighs) I never got it. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. You didn't even willingly do that. Like you didn't sell something and regret it. Something stupid like I did. No, this was ripped from you. It was ripped from me, and oh and it's goodness. unfortunate, and it's one of those that kicks me, but I realize I would have sold it by now. I'm sure. But that's not the point. It's love that I could have had, but yeah. I never had. Oh. It's the one that got away. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
All right, so that probably brings us to final thoughts. So do you have anything that you want to finish things off with on this conversation about looking for love in all the wrong places? I think we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about, like you said, look, finding love. And, and I think we both have sort of over and over sort of said that we oftentimes have the thing we already love. And we're just trying to look for something that does it better or does it different. And I mean, I guess I think this goes against everything that I am about not flipping things, you know, but uh, I might want to think about holding on to things a little bit better and, 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 and kind of recognizing and realizing the love I already have for stuff because I, I am a very discerning person such as yourself. I'm not going to buy something that's junk. I mean, you did buy that Parker, so maybe hey, 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 it's a little hey, bit different. It was a rebound. <laughs> it was a rebound. I swear. <laughs> but but I think I think I need to be a little bit more honest about loving what I have and uh, acknowledging that. Yeah, I, I just think that that's that's something that I could take a little bit better look at. Well, that concludes our time of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy session. If you like what you heard, leave five stars in a review. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Tweed Couch. Until next time.